to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast, Canada's number one award-winning golf podcast and the fastest-growing golf podcast in America. Now available on SiriusXM Canada, USA, and Pandora streaming service. Four Jack is powered by TaylorMade Golf. Their engineers have been hard at work making the next generation of equipment, and their new lineup for 2022 is absolute fire. Available now, so head over to TaylorMadeGolf.ca.com in the U.S., and check out all the new Carbon Face Stealth and Stealth Plus. Experience better energy transfer for yourself. We're not stopping there, Four Jack fam. To make this even sweeter, TaylorMade has given one Four Jack winner the chance to skip the line and win one of these badass drivers. So check out our Four Jack Instagram page for all the contest details. We would also like to thank multiple Four Jack Premier affiliate partners. Without their show support, this would not be possible. Jackson Labs, Therabody, Cricket Shirts, Disruptive Drinkware, Galvin Green, and Wash That All Down, our favorite ready-to-drink beverage for the golf course at Show Tequila Soda. Season 3 continues to impress with a laundry list of amazing guests and boasts some serious industry horsepower. But before we get into tonight's guest, let's head around the country and check in with the Four Jack family during the holidays. Tombo, what's happening? Not too much. Uh, Merry Christmas, gentlemen and ladies and friends of the show. We are we are ready. We are a Christmas holiday special edition. We got a, a great guest on learning about how to stay hydrated with the most state-of-the-art technology that uh, a flask, bottle, whatever you want to call it, can, can bring to the table. So, yeah, I don't know. Hope everybody enjoyed Christmas and we're ready for a new year, new us, new life to to roll out how you guys doing there uh david i'm doing good no weather talk no COVID talk everything's great in ontario <laughs> the sun is shining the christmas presents were many around the tree but uh, i've got to know our next guest uh pretty well here over the last week he sent me a few of his product let me tell you as an austin texas like lover yeti's great but this thing 10 20 times better technology in a bottle super awesome and we got to hear some stories from fred earlier off air and uh i just want to learn about pain stewart's first one one so d lane california living that's right we are nice we're in the office today though we're not at home so we're in the office this morning kind of nice to be there uh yes the smith team all of them you know i've known the smith brothers since the beginning of the 2000s and uh yeah stories will never end we could go on for hours and hours really excited to uh to hear about the drinkware as well as i know a certain specific golf shop that'll be carrying it soon so i'm stoked uh just to kind of hear it plus let's be honest nobody really commands a room like our next guest when he wants to if he's feeling into this interview we might have to cut it at some point because i think we could go on forever so excited (laughs) about that and uh parksy how's life on the desert yeah, it's good. Can't complain, although the weather is a little unseasonable. But, I mean, it's still really hot. Still got to focus on making sure you're hydrated. Freddie will have some insights for us, I'm sure. But without further ado, the 4Jack podcast is very proud to welcome a man that continues to impress. Whether it be his passion for golf, his sense of fashion, his foundation, or his recent innovation in the drinkware CPG space, founder and CEO of Disruptive Drinkware, the one and only, Mr. Fred Smith, welcome to the hey, show. Hey, gang, how you doing? Fabulous. You know, 
before we start, I, you, 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 Chris has the record in 35 years at the Vintage Club of lasting on my bag longer than any you any caddy ever did. He made it through two seasons. Normally, I'd go through four guys by then, five guys. Uh, he, he found every club I broke. <laughs> Even the ones I'd throw in the water, I don't know how he did it with the scuba guy, but they'd end up back in my bag. Was that the uh, secret to his success is his ability to lock down and find your clubs that you broke there, Fred? Scuba oh, <laughs> Chris in the house. Yeah. Scuba Chris, here we go. Listen, Tommy, listen, this. He had the. He finally had the guts to tell me. We have, there was usually five of us. We had five caddies. We were the biggest tippers at the club, but these guys had more action going. The caddies had more action going among them than they were going to make. And sometimes it was with the player, and sometimes he was against his his player. <laughs> That's legit. Sounds disruptive. You know, it, it, and as somebody who worked at the quarry for many years with Mr. Smith, I can be very upfront about his honesty about going through caddies. So uh, that is an absolute true story. So Parksy, that is a huge kudos because between him and Mr. Weintraub, I used to have to start fishing in dead in the desert in Arizona, call Vegas because we just ran out of bodies. I <laughs> like oh, you're, you're the best. That's, you know, I followed Jerry to the by force almost to Madison. And one day, and we, you know, he didn't, he didn't gamble. And one day, he hits a shot on you know, sixteen, his second shot into the water, but it's just on the bank. He takes off his shoes and his socks, and he gets in there. He fans it five times. He's now dirty and soaking wet. Here's the biggest, biggest name, biggest producer of all time in Hollywood, and he looks like he just got off the shift at the garbage truck. Dirt drop, dirt dripping here and there. And I said, pick it up, throw it out. <laughs> he said, no. And I don't know, maybe on that eighth or ninth try, out it comes. But i tell you one of the best stories I ever had in golf. I meet, my, my best friend was Mike Ditka. And so coach. I Coach Ditka. The mm -hmm. coach. The coach. The coach. So I meet him in Chicago at the ambassador room of American Airlines. We start playing gin. For those of you who play gin, you'll understand what a Snyder is or a white sheet. I white sheet him twice. Then they think, Mr. Dick, it's time to get on your plane. We get on the plane. The trays come down. Well, the plane's boarding. We're on our way to Scotland. And I never win another sheet out of probably 500 sheets. As we're about to land, I take the cars, I threw them at him. And we go, the driver, he's got a driver with the right to, to Lock Loman. And we're coming up 18 and he's just beating me to death. And those of you who have seen him walk, he walks with a limp because of his hips and his ankle. But I, I'm telling you, if you saw him coming up the 18th hole, dragging his foot. He makes par, and he starts heading to the clubhouse. I said, wait a minute, where are you going? It's, it's sunlight till midnight. He turns around, he comes, it's, we've been through all the seasons now. He comes back, he sits on a chair, 
He takes off his dirty shoes and his dirty socks, and there's a blood blister, blood blister, and the bottom of his foot, I swear to God, is at least four inches long and three inches wide, and it is ugly. Ooh. And he takes out his pocket knife, which he's always with, or he uses for his fingernails, doesn't heat it up, he sticks it in this thing, and blood squirts everywhere, and then he pushes it out and pushes it, and then he puts on the same dirty sock and the same shoe, and he shoots 74. Shout 74 out. Lock woman. 74 lock lock woman. woman. And, and on the second round. First round, 78, 74. I shot 82 and thought I'd shot 65. Nice. And he beat me to death. In five days, I never won a line of gin. <laughs> I never won a, a, a round of golf. He beat me at $15,000. And three weeks later, it comes to Palm Springs. I, I beat him. I, I get the 15 back plus two. So it was um, another time we go, we're at the San Francisco Golf Club. We're Decent playing. track. Decent, I guess. If you like. Yeah, not bad. Decent <laughs> Alistair McKenzie North, Northwest Golf Clubs. Decent. We're playing with the president of the club. It's a little stiff. And we, uh, Mike, he does, he never misses a tree before he has to urinate. He made it to the third hole before he broke his first club. By the time we get in, I think he's broken six or seven, and I've broken five. <laughs> and we're with the president of the club. And I figured, well, I'll never be able to come back here again. I was just going to ask, I said, did you get the membership application or did he just not give it to you? <laughs> Lane, listen to this. After we put out on 18, he said, I'd like to bring you in and buy your lunch. I looked at I, I almost got whiplash. And I looked back, I said, you shit me. And <laughs> we went in and for two hours, Mike told stories. And he, he after, when it's time to go, I think we're going from there to across the street to Olympic. When it's time to go, the president stands up, shakes our hands, and says, fellas, individually or collectively, anytime you want to play here, you call me. I'll be happy to take you. Was, was this when you were a member of 16 clubs at one time, Fred, or were you just a single golf member at that point? No, no, no. I've never been a single golf member. Um, but 16 is the record. I think that might be the global record. You mentioned I was, that. I was a member of 16 at one time. So, hey, Fred, before we get into the drinkware, I do have one question. Did Mike ever thank you for being a celebrity? He did. We were playing We were playing in the Charlie Dreesen. Uh, remember that pro-celebrity thing they tried to start playing? Yeah, I do. They still carry it on at, at Caesars, but the rest of them kind of fell by the wayside. So we're playing at the Charlie Dreesen, and uh, we get there, and, 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 and Dreesen comes, Tom, Tom Dreesen. And Tom would come and thank Mike for coming and tell him about the celebrity shootout. He says, well, how about my partner? Well, he's not a celebrity. Are you kidding? He was an Iron Eagle 4. <laughs> His role changed the whole sequence of the movie from America was in trouble to America stayed safe. He's a big celebrity. Tom's looking at me, and I've met Tom before. And he said, you want to be in the Caesars? You want to be in our, our shootout? 
I looked at Mike. I, <laughs> I said, no. But the thing about him, Wayne, was I, I love him for a million reasons. But everywhere we ever played, every celebrity tournament, Horny, it, I, mean, I could go on and on. The people I met with him, he would always, after the golf course, you know how the amateurs go one way and the, the, the athletes go another way. After every round, I would go to the table and he would introduce me as the only best friend he's ever had in his life, <laughs> which legitimized me. And I, yeah, I could sit down and I could they'd talk. They talk freely instead of guardedly. Right. Were you Were you at the quarry when when uh, Jeff Sluman came out with Mike yeah. and I? Yep, I was. Now here's Slu, and he, he he plays some holes and he catches us five holes to go, and he sits there for the next three and a half hours and watch Mike and I go head to head with Jeff. And he's got the Bob Hope start the next day. Say hi, say hi, yeah. Just, just hey, as we're, as we're waiting. Live, I, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people. We had a nine hole golf course at, that a farmer donated the land. And the life I've lived, the people I've met, the experiences I've had in golf. And it could only happen through golf. Freddie, who was instrumental in introducing you to the game? Was it your Was it your dad? It was my father. My father. My father didn't hunt. He didn't fish. He didn't like to travel. He loved his family. He loved his business, and he loved golf. So that's that's what we did. My my mother. There was my myself. My two brothers. Every trip was all about golfing. And mother would go shopping. <laughs> Sounds like he'd fit in well with our group for sure. Oh, listen, he was he was the coolest guy. He was he was uh, he died at fifty eight. He looked like he was forty, and he could outwork any twenty year old. And and Tommy, that's the that's the truth. He was such a handsome guy, and he loved to. He, he was like me. He loved to. He, he he dressed his own way. I like that. The man that's not afraid and of his handsome, own identity. Though. Handsome like you. I like it. We need, we need to provide a little context for our listeners because Fred Smith has a very, very unique sense of fashion. And Derek, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Fred, you're more than welcome to jump in. But I don't think I've ever seen you ever in my life without two different pairs of shoes on and something extremely vibrant that helps you stand out in a crowd. Do you like I, I wear two different shoes with every outfit, including a tuxedo. They're all tennis shoes. I was a, I, when Loudmouth Golf first started. Uh, I can't remember the guys that owned it, but he personally called me and said, "This is the biggest order we've ever had. Thank you." And I, I have a I have a, a saying on one of my bottles, uh, Chris, and you would, you would understand this. I was born to stand out, not fit in. I can attest to that. I like well, that philosophy. It was, it was also great because when we had to actually, when the very few busy days of my career at the quarry, when we were marshalling, it was always easy because you knew exactly where Freddie's group was. So there are a lot of times you could just look across the golf course. You didn't have to really marshal very hard because the color combination was something that nobody else was ever going to duplicate on that day. So I just always remember when you would do it and you'd show up with Jerry and Jerry would literally look at you and just shake his head and walk away. <laughs> I, 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 I want to throw this into blame. 
Rand was the best merchant, the best style merchant. Of any, I belonged to over, I think, 52 clubs. He, ran, he had the best sense of style of any club I've ever been into, including Mike and I went on a, a we had, we set a goal to uh, play the 100 top courses in the world. And we got to 89, and, to, and then my wife had her stroke, and our life, as I knew it, was was changed forever. But we got to 89 courses. I've been around, and I'm telling you, Lane was something else. His well, we, sense of style was the best. And well, you can see, turquoise and black. We took a, we we talked about it a lot too, Freddie, because we had a lot of people at the quarry, and Kathy and George, and all of the team that taught me. There were just such a there was such a large amount of consumers. Uh, it really is what changed kind of how I became a golf professional because I didn't realize how voracious the members would be if you stocked and, and made the golf shop a retail outlet. And you know the great thing about when I was at the queue is is that you guys wouldn't just buy a product; you would buy the shop out of product, <laughs> and that's a whole different way to merchandise. So I'm very very appreciative of that. And you know it still goes back to that day when you know I still get upset that Jerry didn't put you in any of the Ocean movies. I don't think that was right. He asked me to be in Ocean's 13. If you remember that, that whole show, he and Steve Wynn were good friends. They got in a beef. So that whole show was about Steve Wynn because he was just getting ready to open the win. And so there's a scene in there where he and Clooney are shooting dice. And he wanted me to be in the middle because... I, I've been known to shoot dice in my life. And how did ducks go to the pond? Two by two. Come on, 22. Hit it. Throw it. Roll it. See it. Think it's like Yeah. And I told him no. He said, you little shit. He said, I promise you, it, will, it won't get cut. And, and you, you can, you'll have 30, 40 seconds of speaking. I said, Jerry, I've done it. I've been in a movie. I don't want to do it. He said, you know how many people in the world can kill for this? I said, call them. <laughs> When when he when he when he Lane when he did his book when his book came out, I had a whole chapter, and then like I, I literally two weeks before the the publication, he and I got into our first big fight, and he said he said Susie Susie, call whatever the guy who wrote it was and said tell him take Freddie out of the book. And I looked at it and I said, that's okay. I said, I wasn't going to read the sun bitch anyway. <laughs> so good. I love it. And I think that's why we got along so well. is because I, I would never kiss his ring. And I, didn't, I didn't want anything from him. Yeah, you probably appreciated the fact that you just treated him like a, like a, like a human, like a bro. Like you didn't have to always be worried about someone sucking up his ass and doing that. He's like, I can, I can be real with my boy, Freddie. He can. I, you know, I, I mean, it's really a great insight, Tommy. Um, they, I, I've been to dinner. My wife and I, him and his, Susie, and uh, George Clooney and a girlfriend, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina, uh, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta, uh, Kurt Russell and Goldion. I mean, I can go, I, I, Bruce Willis and his, his, his wife after Demi. I got going on, just the six of us. Or maybe eight of us. Never more than eight. And it was, I mean, I mean, I look back, I, I met I met just about every coach who ever coached in the NFL. 
up until maybe 2000. I met a lot of players. Uh, I've, I've sat down and had one-on-ones with two presidents of the United States. Uh, I mean, that's I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good from a kid from a town of 5,000 people. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, and, and it wasn't about, because we didn't have money until we went public in 1991. Uh, we had nothing. Book value of the stock was a dollar a share. Well, <laughs> that's a lot of shares. I was in 12 and a half million <laughs> <on> signatures. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, so, but it was, it was, a, it was the thing my father taught me from the time I could walk. And he said, never forget this. He says, people will, will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's good wisdom. It's, 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 and his whole philosophy in, in building Smith's, it's not about who's right. The only thing that matters is what's right. Too For sure. our listeners that may not know, uh, when he refers to Smith, that's Smith food and drug, uh, drug. Um, one of the bigger grocery stores in the West. So, so yeah, Freddie, right, before right. before we do the last drink, I have one more Corey story because some other people I know were, were asking a little earlier. So the famous plaque at the golf course on the 14th hole is it was the first hole in one on property was Payne Stewart. And there was a long kind of, it was kind of a cool thing. And, and Mr. Morrow put up a big plaque there. Now, rumor has it you were in that group when that happened. Lane, uh, I, I, maybe it was you. Called me because Payne Stewart and I think his agent wanted to play the quarry. So I and I think I and Jim Lennon and Payne was colorful, but boy, he was, I'm not sure he was ready for me. <laughs> I made his knickers look a little conservative. And we get to the what 14th hole? Yes. We get to 14th hole and we're playing the tips. And he hits a shot as pure as anything I've ever seen. I mean, it was just like a, a coming out of a cannon. Never left the center of the flag. It took one hop and buried itself in the hole. And my God, he, white man can't jump. He, he jumped high, so high. And he was screaming. And I, I'm looking at him like, this is your first one? And it was the first hole in one. Crazy. That's pretty special. Because he was like a kid in, in a candy store. I mean, he was so excited. He's had double eagles before, but he'd never had a hole in one. We'll put some. Uh, we'll put some photographs of the 14th hole at the queue up on our on our socials, just to provide a little insight into how special that backdrop is. That hole is just something to experience. David, you've had the pleasure. Obviously, we had the opportunity to get up there recently. Very very cool. Freddie, let's transition a little bit into. Wait, I gotta ask. I gotta ask Lane one more question. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Hey, Lane. Yes. Do you think? Do you think there are five better finishing holes anywhere than the five finishing holes at the quarry? Well, you know I'm biased, but the answer on that is no. I don't think there's a golf course in the desert that even is is in the same breath. But that's just me. But I, I think that once you get to the cove and you start on on the twelfth hole, I, I don't think there's a better back nine finish ever. That's just me though. That's me too. And I tell you, because people all the time, they say, what's the favorite course you've ever played? And I always say, wherever I am with three guys, I really enjoy being with. That should be on a bottle. Yeah, I agree. That's ah, a- that should be on a bottle. 
And they come on, Frank. With a four jack, with a four jack logo. And they say, come on, Frank. And I tell them, I, and I played 89 of the world's top 100. I tell them, that's what, what 11 that's are you missing, Fred? Huh? What 11 are you missing out of the top 100? David, I wish that I could have told you, but that was 11 years ago. Oh. <laughs> so, um, that's when uh, that's my wife had. Had a stroke. No so. problem. Understood. Understood. I, I couldn't tell you, but um, it was, you could tell, you could tell a great course. Forget what, what you read in Golf Digest and you see on TV. It, it's by the way people treat you. And, and Lane, Lane and his people, I, I, they made you feel like you're a member, even if you weren't. Pine Valley. I played it 30 times. And those guys make me feel like I was, I'm a member. Conversely, at Augusta, they make you go. They go out of their way to make you, make sure you know you're not one of them. <laughs> but we love you, Augusta, and everything you bring to our homes and our hearts, yeah. including my family. But we love you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's safe. I, I told you I wouldn't be boring. There you go. I mean, I may not make a lot of sense, but I wouldn't be boring. A little controversy, Freddie, is not a bad thing. He's a disruptive and man. I was going to say, that's almost a great segue into uh, disrupting the market, disrupting the hydration space. Let's hey, transition Chris. a little bit. Hey, Let's Chris. talk about... Hey, Chris. Criticism, mm -hmm. criticism comes to those who dare to stand out and be different. Amen. That's a great tagline. As long as they're... As long as they're I don't care. As long as they're talking about you, you stay relevant. That's when you quit talking. They quit talking about you. That that you you better start worrying. They also the bottle, they always say why, that out of the bottle too. Bottle. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> taking notes. I see. So that's why disruptive drinkware is so totally different than any bottle in hydration today. Explain why, Fred. When I decided to go in the drinkware business. I literally went to REI, to Dick's, a um, couple of department stores. I looked and bought every bottle. Every bottle. They all had one thing. They had two things in common. They were all round. And they had a lid they had to turn on, screw on and screw off. So I sat down with my designer in 2000. 18 and it was just about to go through 50 hours of back surgery and a knee, and a knee replacement and we we said okay if we're going to go into a crowded space we better stand out so we, we i drew she drew and we we came up with the square bottle now in a world around the new cool is square and any anybody that's ever been called square it, it, I'm telling here to tell you, it's you're cool. It's hip to be square. It, it's cool to be square, man. Yeah. Every every room in your house, probably where you're sitting, they're all square. They aren't round, and yet everybody wants to go round. So past the design, I then went to around 150 people and tried to break them down into people who once used the bottle and didn't no no longer do. People who have never used a bottle and why, 
and then people who use a bottle, and if they could build their perfect bottle, what would it be? And condensed all of the comments. And it was amazing. Those people who have never used a bottle, their, defi- their definition of hydration was two cups of coffee in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> a Coke before you tee off. And two glasses of wine when you get in. And their pee is so yellow that it stinks. Yeah. You could smell it in a, a bedroom oh, down the hallway. You got to run. <laughs> you got to run. <laughs> That's so, funny. The number one complaint was was the lid. Right. And so I looked at, the, at some of the variations of the lid. The, one company has a straw lid. It, it, it sits in the middle of the lid, and you're supposed to be able to pull out with your thumb. Good luck. Yeah. It's going to take two thumbs and two hands. No, thank you. And some company now they've got a little they got a little thing that you can twist, so you can sip and then just twist it back. And the covering, well, guess what? That that covering slips all the time. And when sitting in your car, go buy seats, go buy floorboard. It's going to be soaking wet. So we we developed the click to sip, click to sill technology. Literally one finger. You click once, you, you, you sip or drink solid, and then you click again, and it seals perfectly. And so we took that lid, and we took it to the people, and they fell in love with it. Hey, this is the greatest thing. Then they wanted a wide mouth bottle, not a, not a small mouth. And the third thing, and this is going to blow you away, they wanted a cup holder that literally held the bottle. So I I go back to Amazon. I buy every cup holder they got. And they got gadgets and gimmicks. And, but every cup holder was two and a quarter inches deep. At 20 miles an hour, and you sudden break, the bottle comes flying out of there, and it goes into your dash, or it goes into your lap, or, or your passenger lap. So I went through four molds. And found we found the right one. Ours is three and a half inches deep. And I'm here to tell you, Mike Tyson in his heyday can't knock that bottle out of that cup holder. Can't do it. Well, I, can, I can attest to this. My three kids, there's no flying bottles. In the poop mobile, the Yukon Excel, there's no bottles coming out of my head. So I'm happy. Yeah. It's, and then we have we have the only bottle. Tested so far, and our market is Yeti and Hydroflex. Tested so far, we throw in Corsico and some others, that you can take this bottle and raise it above your head and drop it on concrete. It won't dent. Take a Yeti or Hydroflex, you're going to see dents in them the size of a 50 cent piece. Not mine. Why? Again, four sets of molds started with their still grade. Until I came out with the perfect still grade for the inner and outer wall. I won't do That's amazing. I got something for you, Fred. Just as uh, somewhat of a connoisseur of bottles over my day, I have yet to get my hands on an actual disruptive drinkware bottle, which based on this conversation, I think might be a new favorite. But I've always traditionally leaned towards the classic Gatorade bottle because I like 
the ability that you can squeeze it and just like shoot it out of it basically into your mouth. So it'd be cool if disruptive could kind of create some sort of rubberized version that's insulated. So it does keep it cool with the spout on it. So there's no like clicking, doing anything. It's just like, I like the ability to just, when I need it to squeeze it and have that jet stream come flying down the old hatch. So something to think about. Had a few water bottles. That was one of my best of all time. So it's like the quick action. Obviously, I know the technology you guys have is more meant to like retain. Uh, the Tommy, cool. you got you got a great point. And I will tell you right now, we already have some designs in development. Love it. But here's the issue. In America, this year, over 66 billion single-use bottles will be consumed. Yeah. Times that by 18, it's over a trillion in 18 years. Now, think of, I, I, until it was graphically illustrated to me what a trillion looks like, a landfill, China won't even take our plastic anymore. Right. So it's going to go in the landfill, and they're starting to, there are studies being done now about how a plastic bottle breaks down and portions of it seep through the, the, the dirt until it finds the, the, the water supply and it goes into the water supply. Mm. Now, that's I, I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm just saying there's a, a paper that, that was written that I can find and, and, and we'll send to Chris to document it. So I, again, was raised you got to leave things better than you found them. Right. And if, if, if we can't, if we can't get people to understand the health aspects of, of hydration, its impact on the brain, on your memory, on your liver, on your kidneys. And I'm working with, with, with one of the top nephrologists in the country. And he telling me he showed me articles coming out of Harvard Medical Center and other really reputable places. They believe that hydration, if you have headaches, will reduce the intensity and the length of it. They're talk, they're starting to do studies on people with stroke and heart attack that were and weren't hydrated. And and Tommy, the neatest thing about hydration is all you got to do is pee. Right. And you can tell by the color. Exactly. Does it stink? Is it electric yellow? Is it red? You got it. So I got a t-shirt on underneath this shirt. It's got my logo on the front. On the back of it, it's all across the back. What color is your pee? And it's got four logs. And underneath it, just as big as this, and why you should care. It doesn't cost you anything to see where you are. No. It's true. Sometimes it's the first test thing. slash P test. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And That's usually cool. it's a good indicator of how you start your day because most of us do go to the bathroom and we wake up and it's like, okay, like what? Where do we? Where do we stand today? Have I passed the first test? Have I made my bed? And is my pee clear? Right. If nope. you're not, if you it haven't done that, yeah, no. It won't be clear because you didn't hydrate all night. True. Well, I woke up this morning knowing tom but i just got to know tommy today so yeah <laughs> i will say my pee was uh 
Well, we should just go around the table. How like how dark was it? Mine relatively dark because I don't think I've had actually a glass of water in the last four days because it's just been a hectic, crazy day. So today, <laughs> Freddie, I'm a, I'm gonna crush at least like sixteen glasses of water in honor of you and disruptive drinkware to try and get my body back on the right path. I was full clear just for for the record because I got disrupted drinkware and I drank about twelve bottles of water yesterday. Wow. So, I think before I think before I disclose I disclose this information, let's let's find out where our listeners can get access to these fantastic bottles to stay hydrated. Freddie, do you want to drop the website, social media pages? Obviously, our four Jack family can jump on our our socials. We'll put the link in our bio. Hey, Chris, will you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Out of the ninety six bottles I sent you, will you give will you give some to Tommy? Yeah, yeah. promise. I want one that has the four colors of my pee on it, too. If Do we have one of those, Fred? <laughs> oh, pretty close. Okay. <laughs> and, and, guys, I'm going through the, the webpage, disruptivedrinkware.com, currently. So, uh, Freddie, I'm just picking out some things that I'm just going to have Parksy send me, and uh, I'm going to kind of just kind of grab them. And then, as we said earlier, they're going to be in the uh, – I'm meeting with Chris. We're going to put them in the golf shop as well. Hey, uh, there we go. There's a win. That's an honor. That's Amazing. an honor. We we just sold a bunch to Melman's um, um, New Dillon last summer, Amazing. And, and they put they bought a hundred cup holders and they put fifty of them in the club cars, and people were asking what that's for, and they're does, upselling, upselling in the bottle. Does it fit in a club car, Fred? The 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 the, 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 cup, the cup holder was made to fit. I called Club Car. I got their exact dimensions. Then I compared that to the average cup holder in America, in American cars. And it was such a, I don't know, a millimeter from a centimeter. But then we, so we created a silicone boot that would just, just, just make, the, make up the difference. It fits snug as a bug in a rug in, in, in a, any club car. Just to clarify real quick there, Fred. So you guys have like your own cup holder insert that you would put into any traditional type of cup holder that fits the bottle perfectly. And Mike Tyson himself in his prime could not knock this bottle out. Only only our cup holder. Okay. Our bottle doesn't fit in any others. Right. And nobody's theirs don't fit in mine. But you can take your cup holder and put it inside like a traditional cup holder so that it mold like molds to your bottle. Is that what I'm no, no. It, 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 you know that the, the whole the, the, in the club car, you know, with the little holes where you put the put yep. the drink. You have an insert that you'd put yours in. The insert goes in most cars. The bottle fits perfectly in a club car. Cool. And then the insert is used. You now I I drive a um, Tesla. My wife has a Mercedes. Uh, my daughter has a, um, a Navigator. Her husband has a Yukon. My granddaughter has a Volkswagen um, SUV. And the girl who works with me has a BMW. Snug as a bug. I got to ask, what color is your well. Tesla? It was perfect in my Yukon. So, and oh, the, right. low, the low rise one, too, and the kids' backseat in the Yukon, it's pretty awesome. So, 
Derek, so, I think you had a question. Yeah. So, so Freddie, before we get into the rapid part of it, the one thing I did want to ask about, because I was doing some research last night, is, is the I think one thing that we were missing to mention is I want to talk about the DNIDA Foundation. Can you give me a little background on that? Wayne, thank you so much. There's a, there has to be a why behind anything you ever do. And so, as you know, I was in the car business when I knew you. And I did really well, but I hated it because it's a business that takes advantage of nice people. I've never really loved anything I ever did until I started on this venture. And there's just something about and I taking an idea from infancy to, to into volition. And, and it, the why behind it was a foundation in my mom and dad's name. Now, they've given money, there's stadiums and business buildings and things. But they were the kindest, most sharing, caring people in the world. Somebody needed something, my parents were the first there. And so I've created a foundation in their name. A dollar or more of every bottle that we sell goes into the foundation. And it's going to be people-specific. Its mission statement is taking people's challenges and turning them into opportunities. No buildings, no big, no national causes, people. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what's exciting to me. You're going to see, I told these guys a few years ago, I, I told my kids, I said, you know, you don't need the money, the Christmas money. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to buy two of those wheelchairs that have like a caterpillar track on them. They go upstairs, they go through mud, they go through sand, they go through snow. And I bought two of them, vented some sources, got one, and sent them to two people. And if you want to get goosebumps, I cry. You see a vet with no legs, one arm. How it changed his life and made him feel almost normal again because he was mobile. And that's the point I said, the United are going to make a difference. So it's going to be people specific. I like that. Actually, this is interesting. You say that because we have a friend of the show, Parksy, who is, who's your friend that we had on the pod a long time ago, who basically, yeah, was a golf professional, worked in the space, had cancer, ended up becoming paralyzed. And it was like his whole challenge was his love for the game, but it's in order to get, access to one of those wheelchair like carts that could stand up and allow him to swing is like 40 grand or something. He's like, I don't know where am I going to ever get this money for that? Because like, I like this has changed my life in the worst kind of way, basically like obviously a lot. Tanner. Tanner. And it's it's also a really important thing that one of the reasons we're going to bring it in is like, Eventually, as you said, every time I give a review to one of my my teammates who were doing, you know, the assistant reviews or something, my first question is always, what is the why? And, you know, Freddie, you jumped all over that. The why is why we do everything. But to know that you're selling something and there's a story behind it always makes retail, always makes other components of what we do professionally a lot easier because you then believe in the product as well, not just the performance of the product, but the story behind it. And I think Freddie is obviously as long in, in, in as many stories as we've said tonight. I think Tombo hit on a great point. It's really easy to touch other people when the when you are in the people delivering business, meaning I do things to help other people. And it's it's just amazing how much that wave becomes a tsunami 
and it just never ends. So I, I give you complete congratulations on that one. Well, I mean, thank you. It's um, give it, my parents. Oh, it's, you know, I I had I was at a party Friday night of two hundred people. Darius Rucker was the entertainer, and the guy who threw the party bought two hundred bottles from me and gave him his party gifts. And I spent half the night having people come up, say, "My God, that bottle looks so big!" And then I put my arms around it, and it feels so easy to hold. And I, I, I showed him how to work the cap. And I said, the greatest joy you're going to get out of this is when we start posting the stories of the people's lives we've made a difference in. Totally. That's when, awesome. that's when it, that's when it, that's, I mean, we're in the, we're in the middle of Christmas. That, the spirit, oh boy. I mean, I'm telling you, gang. Um, well, Ella, you, you know it. Um, there's so many stories I'd like to tell you. I'd like to tell you about when I, you know, every other year, Tom Fazio and um, a couple of guys work it out with the, with the U.S. Open that you get to play the golf course, set up like the pros set it up, one week before the actual U.S. Open. So we're, we're at, at Pinehurst number two. And after the first day, there's a big dinner. And they had the head of the USGA, the um, executive secretary, and then the current president. And they had the guy from the Golf Channel, um, the ball-headed guy. Um, I, can't th- I can't think of his name. I know who you're talking about, too. I can't think of his name, either. Uh, anyway, he was a moderator. So they asked a bunch of softball questions, and then they turned it over to the audience. Now, I'm a guest. It's 50,000 of foursome. I'm a guest. I'm the first one on my feet. And I took him on over this anchored putter. I said, it's one thing if they never have it. But there are people with Parkinson's disease and other things that that love this game, that want to continue to be part of it. And you're telling them in your own wisdom, they're no longer welcome to be part of the fraternity. Do what you want to the pros. Let the let the people enjoy the game. And this arrogant guy says, "Well, let me tell you something. Any club that doesn't enforce the rule, we're going to take away their ability to our handicaps." And I I went, and so after after it was over, people I was mobbed. But he was still going, <laughs> why did you go up? Why did why did you let it go? I said, "All I was trying to do is make you all aware of what they're doing to this game." It has nothing to do with us. Anchored players, let them do what they want. The pros can hit it with them. You guys can hit it with a broomstick. But to take something away from somebody, especially someone who is handicapped, and this is the greatest joy they have every day or whenever they play, and say you can't do it anymore, and their hands are shaking so bad they couldn't hold a small putter if they had to, it's criminal. Yeah. That is a good point there, Freddie, because it's like we always do the discussion and like at the pro level, like the anchoring this, that and how people are using the arm lock. But it's like you do forget about just the they make these rules around pros, but then you forget about the impact it has on like the amateur. And like there's been that talk about Tiger Woods and using a golf cart and it's like, fuck it, like let people enjoy the game. Like life is hard enough, especially in these times that like 
you shouldn't be discriminated against because you're like, hey, I got Parkinson. Like, this is the only way for me to do this. Like, take a chill pill. Let me play the game. And that golf channel host was Damian Hack. Just so you there know. you go. There you go. Like that. Hey, boys and girls, Fred, before you before you get started, we are approaching that magic hour. Sirius XM is going to uh, handcuff us here. So we're close to uh, closing Dang, up the show. And I, I just want to go on. Thank you for letting uh, me go. No, no, hang on, hang on. We're not done. Oh, we're not going to let you off that easy, boys. I want to go around the room. Uh, maybe one final question for Fred. Maybe something that he doesn't get too deep into. But uh, final thoughts before we uh, shout out disruptivedrinkware.com again and and uh, talk about that amazing product that will be available on the Forjack site. I'll go first with my question. I I do have a question that will take us down a rabbit hole that I'm going to avoid. But I just want to go back to like the beginning of like this wearing two shoes life, right? Like where, what, at what point in your life were you like, you know what, I'm going to wear two different shoes. Like where did that happen? Were you, you 12 years old? Was it 20? Like take us through that real quick. I love that. I love that question. I went to the, are you familiar with the magic show? Yes. In the Las fashion Vegas? show. Right. It's all fashion. Yep. So I was in the pro in the, in the process of rebranding all of my stuff. And so I went up, and I took three pair of Levi's and three white shirts. And I got dressed and the mirror says, you shit me, you don't dress like this. And the only thing I had was two pair of tennis shoes. So I just wore two different shoes. Okay. And as I'm walking the show, Tommy, I'm, and this is on the square. Within 15 minutes, I got 50 people following me. Are you yeah. a designer? Where's your booth? Uh, how big's the line? Da, 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 da. Oh, now you open the door. Can I have fun with that? Mm -hmm. And I, so I'm given, yeah, where's your booth? Uh, 15, I think it's 1549. I'm having dinner. I get a tap on the shoulder. Uh, two shoes. I went to your booth, 1549, and you weren't there. There was nothing there. I said, oh, I tell you, 1549, are you sure? I said, I, it, it was 1594. <laughs> just trolling him i love it and the next night i ate at a different casino <laughs> you should and have the, just and said the, and the, the story lives on you were doing an off-site uh yeah your booth was off-site in the in the bellagio or whatever was around at that point caesar's the back parking lot yeah the back <laughs> parking lot it was unbelievable and oddly enough you can verify this that fall, this, this shows in February. Yeah. That fall in New York in women's fashion, two designers launched two shoes. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've been to Magic and at one point in my life I had a denim company, but like that is a thing that like it would like you everybody just wears the like two of the same shoes. That if you in an environment like that were walking around with two different shoes, like yeah, for sure. I see how people would be like, oh, who's this guy? I thought I hope after the show or sometime when you got some time, I'd love to talk to you about this. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We got to move on from my question because Freddie will just All be right. here for another hour. So I'll take the last one tonight. And, you know, Fred, you've played a lot of golf with celebrities, athletes. You know, you mentioned 2,000 head co uh, football coaches or whatever the number was. But of all the PGA Tour players that you've played with over, you know, your 30 plus years, who would you say is the most interesting? And is there any story of, that person that you played with. And then we do have to get out of here and we are excited to 
learn more. But is there one player that really stands out that you got an experience to play with, or is there Steve Wynn when he did did his golf course Shadow Creek okay. had what he called the rich man's AT and T. They'd have all the tour players. Their their inducement for doing that is they could stay at the at the at the Mirage for free anytime they wanted, and they could play Shadow Creek anytime they wanted. So it was you and a, you and a pro, and I was playing with Jay Haas. And never in my life have I met a gentleman, a caliber of Jay Haas. And a week less than a, within a week after I after I got home, I get this letter from Jay. Personalized to me, handwritten, telling me how much he enjoyed the day, and recounted a couple of conversations. He's the he was, he's the class of the class. That's amazing. Yeah, love well, it. Thank Remind, you. Reminds me of a time uh, you set up some golf for me, and and I, I missed a thank you on a day, and I was reminded of that. So that stood <laughs> with me for a long time, and it That's okay. made me made me realize the little things are important. Listen, but, I uh, you've had 96 bottles for your team and you still, you've been sitting on them for months. So I'm, I'm hoarding. I'm hoarding. Yes, Freddie, it's been an, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Absolutely excited for this brand to create some excitement, to expose it, make sure people are hydrated, disruptivedrinkware.com. So much fun. We're going to definitely have you back on in the future when we have some more time and get deeper into some of the clubs you've been at, but all in all, all the best during the holidays. We're looking forward to a big FY22. Happy New Year to you and your family. Thanks again. Be safe. Uh, you, you guys have been great. Thanks, Freddie. Absolutely uh, fantastic. Now that Thanks, I know the man behind the brand, I'm all in on disruptive drinkware for sure. All right, Tommy, you're the best. All right, thanks, Freddie. Have a great day. Thank and you, guys. Come up and see you. Okay. Uh, take care, boys. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.